in a while conversations where I'm actually speaking, you know, to, to a customer, just even just a member of the public and, you know, hearing what they have to say. And, and a lot of times they, they support us, you know, they say very kind words like, Oh man, you know, you, you look hot, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard work. Huh? I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be another six hours and it's already, you know, 2 PM. Um, and people, people offer, offer very kind words. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very huge for drivers and, and insiders, especially. All right. Well, so how can our listeners keep in touch, especially if they want to get involved in solidarity actions? Well, Jobs of Justice, Portland DSA, you know, uh, the Portland DSA Labor Working Group Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's where you're going to find, you know, these community solidarity actions. So, right. So, Twitter. Uh, oh, excuse me. It's X now. Oh, X. According to Elon Musk. Musk. Yes. Okay. Well, that wraps it up for this evening's show. You've been listening to Keir Anderson and Brandon Finley, uh, UPS Teamsters. I'm Jamie Partridge. This is Labor Radio this Monday and every Monday at 6 p.m. Stay tuned for Prison Pipeline. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? Good evening. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. Tonight we're talking with Brenda Kielmeyer about the case of her son, Joel Adkins. Brenda, welcome to Prison Pipeline. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Brenda, let's just start by, first of all, just tell us a little bit about who you are and then um, tell us who Joel is. I'm a mother of three, definitely enjoyed, raised, I had three boys, all have their high school diplomas, two with college degrees, was told I could never have children, so they were a blessing. I have a grandson, which would be Joel's son, just everyday person, kept the kids involved in sports and off the streets, and after they all graduated, I was kind of lost. Yeah, MD death syndrome. Are you still waiting for some more grandkids? Honestly, with the way this world's going, I'm not sure. It's scary out here right now. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Joel. Joel is my oldest. Played baseball, football. His favorite was probably wrestling. Wrestled from fourth on up to senior. Senior year ended up making team captain. So Joel really Uh, likes sports. Joel definitely likes sports. He did track and uh, shot put. Yeah, we were all year sports. He graduated in 04. My fight started in school with the resource officer and the school to prison pipeline. And I ended up running for school board and I got elected for four years. And I brought some stuff to the table and had quite a few people asked to put their resignations in and I honestly believe this wrongful conviction is connected to that. So Joel had some run-ins with the SRO while he was in high school. There were a few and honestly he you know if he was responsible for it he dealt with the consequences but there were more 
that they were just trying, you know, being a single mom, it, it seems like, you know, they were just to supply their prison, the pipeline. So based on some of your experiences of Joel's experiences with SRO, which by the way, SROs are not, they're kind of new to schooling. I mean, we didn't always have these school resource officers. And in the wake of the 2020 like social justice movement, one of the first things to go actually was a lot of school resource officers. In, in the movement for racial justice, a lot of people said that SROs were one of the biggest contributors to the school to prison pipeline that you mentioned. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Just like I said, Joel was a normal kid growing up. There was a few mistakes. He he suffered his consequences, but there were a lot of issues they tried to nail him with. And after, you know, mama going to talk with other people and looking into it, I wasn't letting it happen, you know. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, we have good and bad apples in all professions. And there were those bad apples as in teachers and coaches and that I wasn't going to deal with it. You're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. And I took a stand and I sat on the board for four years. I didn't make a lot of people happy, but I felt... You know, what I did was right. I don't regret it. So let's move on then. Tell us a little bit about what happened to Joel, you know, after high school. With dealing with the prison to school pipeline, Joel decided he wanted to go into criminal justice. At first, he talked about being a juvenile probation officer, dealing with the kids that were being, what I'm going to say, railroaded into the system got his criminal justice degree after he graduated he decided he wanted to be a cop it was a big issue i know the history of the police department he was going to apply to and we talked about it and i wasn't happy you know you know how what happens with the good cops and he said look mama he says i want to make a difference I'm going to, you know, whatever scene I get called to, I'm going to make sure everything's done right. And, you know, hopefully I can make a difference. And, you know, I basically said, okay, Joel, you know, that's what you want to do. And uh, probably month, month and a half after we talked about that is when that in- this incident happened. It was a beautiful day, April 25th of 09. I was outside with my youngest two and we did yard work all day and I called him when I got in and I had taken care of a couple of his bills through my checking and I told him, you know, you needed to get this money over to me and so I knew he was on the way to my house and I jumped in the shower and I got out of the shower and I have a scanner in my room, a police scanner. And I hear, attention all cars, we've got a guy on 911 who's got a guy at gunpoint, the other guy's got a knife. At that point, I made the statement, if he comes at you, shoot him. Well, next you hear, you know, he doesn't know his location, can't give us a location. Next thing came over the scanner, the shooter's requesting an ambulance. I continued listening when the police arrived they called out the location 
and the make and color of the car and my heart sank. And I came to my son's room and I said, oh my God, Randy, I think it's Joel that's been involved in this shooting. He said, calm down, mama. You know, Joel did the right thing. Now, at that point, I'm freaking, looking up to the Lord saying, what do I do? What do I do? Came into my head to call him. So I called his number the first time he didn't answer. Freaked a little more. Second time I called, I heard him pick it up. I said, Joel. He said, Mama, I just had to shoot somebody. I said, I know, buddy. I heard it on the scanner. I said, are you all right? And he said, yeah. I said, have you been cut? And he said, no. I said, do you know where they're taking you? And he said, no. I said, well, more than likely, they're taking you to the police station. I'm on my way. After I hung up with him, I called my mother, told her what was going on. After I talked to my mother, I called his fiance and I told her and I basically left the house en route to the police station and where I live, I would have drove by where the incident was and I stopped and, you know, was looking at or I got out of my truck and I saw the resource officer that replaced the resource officer I brought issues up against. And at that point, I didn't know he had switched precincts, but I yelled at his name and he looked at me and he kept going into the scene. And at this point, Joel's fiance's mother was walking over to me and we both kind of live in the same area. And she was going out to Joel's to get his fiance because it was her car that he had and uh, talked to her for a few minutes, went to the police station and Jen showed up, had an attorney by the name of Anthony Logue show up down at the precinct. He talked to Joel, basically came out and told us it was a self-defense case that um, we could go back for a few minutes and talk to him, we did. He gave me a couple of names of people that were there that he recognized. When he turned onto that road, there was a party going on and there were people in the street and he stopped and the one came up to the door, opened it and started drilling on him, pulling him out of the vehicle. Turns out to be the young man was related to the arresting officer. Hmm. The young man had a blood alcohol level of 0.14 and hydrocodone at recreational levels and also had a history of aggression with law enforcement. So that's where there was a video turned over to Officer Suchi, who was the resource officer that took over after the first resource officer at our school. He turned it over to another lieutenant i think it was and the video disappeared would that video have exonerated your son more than likely mm-hmm. i mean if it if it would have showed he was guilty i don't think that would have come up missing yeah so i got the 911 transcripts and i was reading them and i'm like wait a minute this isn't right just as i'm reading them joel happened to call me and he said did you get those nine one i said yeah i'm sitting outside the lawyer's office reading them i said they're not right he said that's okay mama he said i wanted to know your thoughts 
And I said, you know, I heard the call. Where's it say in these transcripts, the other guy's got a knife and you're requesting an ambulance. So I went back in and spoke with the attorney while he was coming out as I was coming in. And uh, I told him I wanted the copy of the 911 tape. And he told, you know, his lawyer, his secretary to give it to me. And I left with the 911 tape and I took it to a friend's who had like a double cassette player. And I copied it. And then I gave him his original back. But after I realized there was, there's probably 30 seconds missing and give and take a few minutes from start and stop. But I had called a tape, like a expert, a person that does tape analysis and basically was told that because we didn't know how far down the line it had been retaped, that it would be really hard to tell if it was cut. Also back in 06, when I got my cell phone, I was on minutes and, you know, I asked them at that point, I said, well, how do minutes work? And they said, upon answering and hang up. Well, after I saw there was about 30 seconds missing, I, I called my cell phone company and I said, is that how it still works? And they said, absolutely. They said, you know, upon answering and upon hanging up, they said, People don't want to pay for ring time. So there his 911 tape was tampered with, the videos missing. The arresting officer was the aggressor's first cousin. Just a mess. Mm -hmm. What was Joel charged with and what was the outcome of the trial? I think there were more charges, but honestly, honey, the jury found him guilty of third degree murder. Mm -hmm. he, he was given 12 to 24 on that. And then aggravated assault with serious bodily injury. And that was five to 10. The first couple days after the incident happened, the newspaper put out it wasn't his gun. And then they saw that it was his gun and he had his concealed to carry. He was legally carrying. It was his gun. Even in the 911 tape, after Joel had shot Jason, the brother went in to get a gun. Upon going in, he also picked up the knife Jason had. And um, the 911 operators telling him, stay there. Don't don't leave just stay there but at trial the big thing was um, duty to retreat but like you said there there was no retreating you know he, he was seeing stars from being punched in his head he was taken to the hospital later that night he had uh, petechial hemorrhaging in his eyes a non-displaced nasal spectrum fracture and a possible small bleed in the left side of his head. So he had been assaulted. So we're talking tonight with Brenda Kielmeyer about 
the case of uh, her son, Joel Adkins, who um, was wrongfully convicted and sentenced to um, about 20 years in prison altogether. Brenda, can, can you tell me, um, so so Joel was uh, was getting ready to be a police officer. So why was he tried, um, I, I mean, what were the circumstances around the incident? I mean, was he was he ambushed? What were the conditions under which this incident happened? Was it road rage? Was it previous acquaintance, bad blood no. from the past? No, no, he, he did not know the young man. We knew of him, but did not know him personally. I have family. Jason's father was a mechanic and he also had cars, race cars that he took at the straight strip, the quarter mile. And I had family that also raced. My uncle was good friends with Jason's dad. And, you know, through, I also had a cousin. Her husband was also friends with Jason's dad. And, you know, we would hear stories about this young man, but to know him personally, we did not know him personally. Joel turned on to the side road and to a group of people on the road, and he stopped not thinking anything. Mm-hmm. And when he stopped, that's when Jason came up to the driver's door, opened it, grabbed him, started hitting him, pulling him out of the vehicle. When Joel got to his feet, he shoved the young man towards the rear of the vehicle that's when he drew his weapon and dialed 911. He was mm-hmm. actually on 911 when he shot. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, was it a, do, do you think that, I, I mean, it's, it's always hard to say, like here in Portland, I mean, we have incidents every day where people who have mental health problems, you know, they, I'm not trying to say anything disparaging about people with mental health issues, but almost every day in Portland, we hear a story about someone with mental health issues who's like, bash somebody's head in with a rock or who shot somebody or who stabbed somebody with a machete. I mean, do you think that Jason maybe just had mental health issues or was he, was this um, an attempted robbery? Well, and for years, you know, like I said, I have, uh, well, he's retired now, but a police chief from the community that I lived in. And he came to me and he said, I'm so sorry, Brenda. He said, those, both the boys, Um, Jason and his brother have been trouble all their life before the incident even happened we you know heard family members say how Jason's dad would tell them Jason's gonna cause a family grief one day he had aggressive behaviors Mm -hmm. and they were really bad from what I understand the one incident where he struck a, a police officer he was either told prison time or to join the service. He joined the service and after boot camp, I think it is, he came home and went AWOL. And like I said, this was all before this incident with Joel, but we were told that he got a dishonorable discharge. Yeah. He had his blood alcohol level was 0.14 and hydrocodone at recreational levels. Mm-hmm. So Joel just ran into kind of a, a bad person, basically, and he used his training that he had received uh, in preparation for becoming a police officer to defend himself. And he also was on the phone with 911 while he was 
attempting to defend himself. So he was calling for assistance. Yes. So why was he convicted then? I mean, what was what? I mean, how did I mean, how did the district attorney take what should have been a pretty easy open and shut case of self-defense and turn it into a third degree homicide conviction? Uh, like I said, I, I believe because of Jason's connection with the arresting officer being family and my my fight to the school to prison pipeline, I, I think it all played a part. Yeah. How is Joel doing now? He's doing fine. You know, he's doing the best he can. Well, his fiance was pregnant when this happened and him and his son have an amazing relationship. You know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. How old is his son now? He'll be 13 this year. Wow. So Joel's been in for 13 years. Yes. Happened in 09. That's just heartbreaking. Now, the day after the incident, like the first time he was able to call me, he said, Mama, he said, I just want you to know I'm all right with God. And that was the first thing he said, you know, when I answered his call and I said, oh, Joel Jeffrey, that's that's the main thing. You know, we're, we'll get through this. But as long as you're all right with God, that's what truly matters. Mm-hmm. How's it been for you these 13 years? It's been a nightmare. Yeah. It's a worry every second of the day. I've been told it's not over. There will be retaliation. I worry about his safety every, every second of the day. The phone rings. My heart sinks. It's it's awful. Yeah. You know, and what can I say? If, um, we're getting through it. It yeah. hasn't been easy, but no, no family should have to deal with this. The, there things need to change there needs to be transparency and accountability fighting this for 13 years I have met so many wonderful people in the same fight you know different circumstances but wrongful convictions a serious problem in the United States mm -hmm. and it should not be so what has Joel done to try to appeal his sentence or his, his conviction? That in itself is a long story. He had a public defender a fi or file his PCRA. They never brought any of the issues up in it. She told me personally that that wasn't the appeal to bring this stuff up in. That was denied. He had another public defender that filed it was either the supreme or the superior and um that was denied but you know erie's a small town everybody's connected you know they eat, all eat off the same plate and you know nobody wants it out there that they're doing wrong mm -hmm. god knows does joel have um like a, a petition or um, a website people can visit if they want to support a call for clemency or, uh, you know, um, a retrial or anything like that? Do you have uh, any kind of advocacy media online for, for Joel? Right now, what I have is um, 
a friend of mine did a Facebook page, Joel Atkin, Erie PA, and there are a lot of things on there. There's uh, videos of a few of the neighbors and a couple of the pe people at the party. The 911 call is on his Facebook feed. If you go into photo uploads, there are a lot of legal documents on there showing what I'm saying, you know, is true. That was a big thing with me, you know, looking at other wrongful conviction. They didn't have anything supporting what they were saying. And I put it all out there. I have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. and there is one of his friends did put up a petition and it's all on his Facebook feed. Joel Adkins, Erie PA. Yes, ma'am. A-T-K-I-N. A lot of interesting information. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned from this experience with your son that you'd like to share with our listeners? What, what are some takeaways that people might, might want to hear? Any lessons you've learned from this whole experience? The judicial system is filled with corruption. It's, you know, money and power talks. The truth can be swept under the rug. Another big thing is media. Mainline media twisted this story to benefit what the people at the party were saying. Just be careful out there. You know, if you believe in your Second Amendment and get into a situation where you have to make that decision... You know, I know it's a split second, but you better ask who they're related to because it can turn into a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Do you think that if Joel hadn't defended himself at that time that he would have been dead? Absolutely. Absolutely. He said there was between 10 and 15 people in the road. And the funny thing is he had told me, you know, down the road that, when he left that day, he lived upstairs and he said, Mama, I got halfway to my car and something told me to go back in and get my gun. Yeah. And, you know, just those little things are mind boggling, you would say, you know, but thank goodness he had it because <laughs> had he left Jay get a hold of that gun and that's when he was shot, they were struggling over the gun. That was another thing I, I told Joel. You should have dropped him long before he got his arm around your neck and fighting over that gun. He was shot once in the lower right abdomen. It hit the main artery, but the bullet trajectory was up. He was shot in the lower right abdomen, and it come up higher in the middle of his back. And, you know, what that tells me is what Joel told me, you know, he was hunched over going down to the ground when he shot. Mm -hmm. So barring any other situation, when does Joel expect to get out? They gave him 12 to 24 for the third degree, five to 10 for the ag, and they ran him separate. So he's doing 17 to 34. He's been down over 13 years now. He's hoping for parole, but you know, as much as I want to see it with being related to a cop, they're going to fight it, you know, and I just keep praying that 
somebody's conscience bothers them to the point where they come and tell what happened that day. Mm -hmm. But knowing the type of people they were are, I don't see that happening either. Yeah. What's Joel been doing while he's been um, in in custody um, with his life? He's part of several like different groups, fundraisers. Uh, He's part of the group that like brings toys and stuff into the visiting rooms for the kids. He's worked the whole time. You know, he's not a problem. There's guards in there that come in with a chip on their shoulder and he'll say, look, dude, this, you know, you need to lose that. This ain't the place. You know what I mean? Trying to say, yo, you know what I mean? Some of these guys aren't going to put up with that. But his biggest motivation is his son. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they have an amazing relationship when we go to visit and Joel comes into the room that he, he goes running into his arms and it's amazing, but it's heartbreaking also. Yeah. And do you get to see Joel often? Joel's not far from me. I take his son once a month and, you know, I, I can basically, well, there's you're only allowed to go so many days, but I can, you know, it's, I think a 40 minute drive for me. So if I have any worries, if he hasn't called, yep, mama's showing up down there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And it sounds like you've become friends with other people fighting wrongful convictions during the time of your son's incarceration. Yeah, I've been to Harrisburg and I've been to rallies and I've reached out to elected officials and we're trying. Well, thank you so much for all of your advocacy, Brenda, and thank you for coming on Prison Pipeline to tell the story of your son, Joel Adkin. If people would like to find out more about Joel Adkin, they can go on Facebook and do a search for Joel Adkin, A-T-K-I-N, Erie, Pennsylvania, to learn more about his wrongful conviction. Brenda Kielmeyer, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your son? Just hopefully he's home soon and being that role model for his son he so wanted to be. And for the folks that go onto Facebook, just remember in photo uploads are a lot of the legal documents. There's pictures of the aggressor. The aggressor also did... uh, competitive arm wrestling Joel's medical records are on there a lot of things are on there I thank God every day I heard that 911 call as hard as it is to relive Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for joining us tonight on Prison Pipeline Brenda thank you Emma and thank you for being their voice thank you you are listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. KBOO Community Radio is hiring a full-time development director. This position leads all fundraising campaigns in alignment with KBOO's mission, goals, and policies. The development director works closely with management and staff to identify funding priorities and create major donor campaigns, capital campaigns, and grant writing. More info can be found at kboo.fm hiring. 
We will begin reviewing applications on August 7th, and the position will remain open until filled. KBOO is an equal opportunity employer. Mm-hmm.